Virtual meetings are not going to go away. The more comfortable you become with the technology, the more able you are to deal with it, the more successful you're going to be. If you want to not just survive, but thrive while you're working from home and your kids are doing distance learning, well, then you may want to check out John Paul Mendoza's book called Remote Work for a Better World, a.k.a. Survive the Quarantine. And John Paul, you've got some great advice here because, I mean, you were doing this uh, for years, the whole remote work thing, way before anyone else. Oh, it's absolutely correct, Andrew. I I learned a long time ago that, uh, you know, frankly, I didn't need to go travel to an office to get things done and uh, started building it out in my house. And, and once I did that, I, you know, it was like it never went back kind of thing. Uh, you have a lot of tips in your book, too. But speaking about building it out right now, I'm, I'm working from my uh, home for a few days and it's, it's tough. Do you have just a, this is before we even di- dive into your book. Do you have one thing that's just helped you immensely in the years of working from home? Uh, yeah. Number one is is finding a space that you can that you can like have a door that closes so you can keep, you know, children, animals, uh, spouses, uh, delivery people kind of away. And frankly, even just putting a sign on that door that says, you know, I'm you know, I'm on a Zoom or I'm on a I'm doing something. Uh, so that way people understand that, that you know, there's nothing nothing better than I have a I have a, a network printer in my office. And every once in a while, the thing will kick off when I'm in the middle of something. It's like, ee. But yeah, you know, but it's just getting people to, to know that you have a space and respect that space will make your life less hectic. So let's jump into the book a little bit now. Again, you um, on the forefront of, of distance working for years, and I started using Zoom for interviews of, uh, about a year ago. So this wasn't new to me, but it's been new to a lot of people. So you wrote a whole book about you know just kind of how to figure out Zoom. Um, there's a lot of things behind behind the scenes that people just don't realize. You can't just always click it; it doesn't always work. Um, talk about your inspiration of what made you decide to write this this book. Well, what, what made me want to write this book was absolutely not what I thought I was going to do. I was actually launching my first book, which is Most Businesses Fail in the First Five Minutes. Just takes them three to five years to realize it. And I, you know, that, that was a book that took me 30 years and had to find a, a good co-author who was Colombian. So I would say 30 years in a Colombian. And uh, you can write a book. And we were launching that book. And as we were putting that launch plan together, uh, COVID-19 hit. And I said, you know, we just have to write the second book. Well, we had just gone through a very painful process of writing the first book, assembled a group of professionals. And in 17 days, we got Remote Work for a Better World out and up. And uh, what inspired me was the realization that most people did not know how to get things done remotely. And more importantly, how they were going to be able to deal with all these various aspects None of the technology that's out there actually teaches you how to use these things. What they do is there, it's like, it would be like having this very incredible, powerful tool, but you don't know how to turn it on. Right. And, and so uh, digging into the book a little bit, I think this is a, a good place to start. I think you talk about how there's, there's this layer cake that we need to kind of think about when it comes to, you know, meeting with technology and things like that. And a lot of other kind of business processes, too. What is that? Well, so if you want to make your time much more productive and you're using a Zoom call to replace a face-to-face meeting, if you're doing a face-to-face meeting and, you know, sounds like, Andrew, you've sat around a bunch of conference tables maybe in your life kicking things around, is that it's kind of this free-flowing thing. And if you're going to do Zoom, you're going to do remote, you want to be more prepared. So take a pad of paper, take a, you know, you use a computer, whatever what you're comfortable with, but essentially write out talking points. So that way you can kind of keep people moving along and you know what you're going to talk about. Nothing worse than the meeting that doesn't end. You know, oh, Andrew, wait a second, one more. Oh, oh, 
and just having that organized will make you feel more grounded and feel like things are you know gonna gonna wrap up on time so doing just that one thing will make things crisper and then you'll get a better experience my my sense is that the the harder it is to feel like you're getting things done the more you become resistant to using it and I, i'm talking about remote uh meetings but once you get to the point of where you can come on get things done get off of it uh, away you go it's, it's a good thing to do. I live in Minnesota and there's this famous thing called the Minnesota goodbye where you don't ever actually say goodbye. You know, when, the goodbye takes a half hour. So I don't know. Is, is there a good way just to end something? It's, it's still a little awkward for me when I'm doing those Zoom meetings and everyone's there and, and we're kind of waiting. OK, is it the end? Is it the end? Can we say goodbye? Am I going to offend the host if I log off now? Is there a is there just like a little quick tip you can give on that? Well, I, I think you do it by setting up front how much time you have for this and the, and the fact that that at a certain, you know, clock chime, the witching hour, you're, you're going to be done. And what, what, what we're describing, I mean, the Minnesota goodbye, I hadn't heard that one before. But what we're describing is what uh, a guy years ago talked about called Parkinson's Law, which is work expands to fill the time allotted. So if you allot a lot of time or an unspecified amount of time, this thing could keep going and going. So I always say to somebody, look, set a time limit, have a clock going, and, uh, and when you get there, get it done and, and get off. And uh, if you do that, you, you learn a very valuable skill set. And besides which, people will think we got something done. I thought this was kind of interesting. So when you're talking about the foundations for great remote meetings, uh, you said, hey, it's like Hollywood. You know, what, there's a camera pointing at you. And, you know, and if you think of it that way, there's some things that we should do as actors. I thought that was some kind of some good tips on how to look good on camera. Well, yeah, the, the first thing is, and, and, I, and actually I got this, you know, like when I first started selling in a call center, believe it or not, but the, the number one guy in the call center, if he had an important call to do, would go brush his teeth. Now he's talking on a phone, Andrew, he's on a phone. And I said, what, what difference does it make? And Roger looked at me and said, in my mind, it is because I wouldn't go to a face-to-face meeting smelling, you know, with this, you know, coffee breath. So there's lots of things that you can do to just go look in a mirror and make yourself feel you know, look better and more presentable and say, you know, how do I kind of take this to another level and take this seriously and, and do that? And yes, you, you know, you, in, if you're going to do remote meetings, you know, you are the talent, you are the director, you're the producer, you're the technical support person. You're all of those things. And especially if you're doing it for, for others, uh, you, you have to really try to keep raising up the standards. And then you have to think in terms of how do you sound and how, how all of that works. But yeah, what you want to do is you have to think in terms of you are presenting to the world. You also talk a little bit about etiquette and protocol. I, I think we kind of touched on that a little bit about having the, um, you know, having, making sure that the, the, you plan the meeting and everything like that. Is there anything else that you want to say about etiquette and protocol when you're doing Zoom meetings and everything like that? Well, I'm, I'm going to take a little bit different direction is, is, is most people are facing their camera, but they never turn around and look at what's behind them. And, and I once was talking to a client and uh, he happened to be in, in, a, you know, in, in a vacation home and right behind him was a door that was open and, and the camera is just brutal. And it showed basically an open lid toilet. And, and he had other people who were on the call and, you know, I kept trying to like send him a little chat saying, you know, you may want to close that door or at least put the lid down or something. So you should be aware of your surroundings and what it looks like. And uh, that's important. In fact, I recommend a green screen if you can afford it. 
And uh, we talk about that in the book. But, I, I, you know, a green screen is a good thing, like I have right now behind me, because that way it blocks out whatever, whatever evil is behind you in your room. In Chapter 9, you talk a little bit about how um, everything is kind of switching to um, when you're even interviewing people for jobs. Of course, it's all virtual now. That you, and you talk about the importance of, you know, make that first um, job interview. And, and I think you even recommend this even post-COVID. That you, that first job interview, when you're just getting to know somebody uh, in the in the hiring process, should be uh, a virtual a Zoom meeting, a virtual meeting, right? Sure, you you should save you'll save a lot of time and energy, and also you'll see how serious somebody takes this. Uh, you know, virtual meetings are not going to go away. In fact, you know, I, I don't know what age your children are, but you know, whatever age they are, they will live in a world that will become more and more virtualized. This will continue to take place. The more comfortable you become with the technology, the more able you are to deal with it, the more successful you're going to be. So I suggest that that if you're going to hire somebody, you interview them via Zoom, you see what they look like. Are they organized? You know, did they brush their teeth? Did they comb their hair? Did they, you know, if appropriate, shave? Did they, you know, what what did they do to try to make sure that they put their best foot forward? And that's important because that's going to be the face that everyone else in your organization and potentially your customers are going to see. And, and that's just a, a good way to know. It's, it, and it's a simple way to find out how advanced they are in, in where we are today. Okay. So on the flip side now, a lot of people might be thinking, oh, man, I've been looking for a job for a while. I've been furloughed. And now I'm getting some opportunities, some Zoom interviews. What are some of uh, the best tips that you can give for somebody so that they do present their best self? Well, the, the first thing that you want to do is, is practice before you even get started. I mean, Zoom has this great thing, even if you don't have a green screen, where you can essentially go and say, I want to put a different background. I know people do a lot of virtual green screening, and, and it can look terrible. But what it could do is it, it, it actually, without any green screen, it will show you what you look like, and then have somebody that you, you trust, right? You know, whatever your significant other might be, and have them look at it and say, you know, what do you think? How do I look? And, and the other part that you can do is, is that, you know, whatever the camera catches, that's all you have to worry about. So now you could be wearing a suit on the top and a tie and a beautiful shirt and gym shorts down below because nobody's going to see that. But the most important thing is, is that you look good and you look the best that you can look and that you know you look the best you can look. And, and this is something that, that very few people are trained to do this. But this is becoming, especially with YouTube, and Facebook, uh, and all the videos that are going on, we now have a much higher expectation of how people should be aware of how they look on camera. So that would be one of the things I would suggest. The other thing is, if you're going to go for a job interview, be absolutely prepared for that job interview. Make sure that you've done some research. Use Google. Find out about the people that you're, that you're going to go interview with. If you have who you're going to be talking to, and, and I always say, ask ahead of time. You know, is it going to be just one person? I'm going to have a group of people. Get their names. Look them up on LinkedIn. Understand as much as you can. So when you show up, Andrew, what you do is you're ready and prepared. Nothing is worse than somebody who shows up and says, Andrew, I'm really glad to talk to you. How is the weather in Detroit? And you go, geez, I don't know. I'm not in Detroit. That happens all the time. And, and in, my, in my work doing turnarounds, I can tell you having interviewed, I guess I'm into well into the thousands of potential salespeople who you would think would put their best foot forward. How many of them have not done basic, basic research 
And that just shows that you care enough that you're going to do what's necessary. When an interviewer says, well, do you have any questions for me for, you know, as you're doing these job interviews, what do we say? What are we supposed to ask? Well, again, this gets back to the preparatory work. And and so I'll give you some standard questions that you should ask, which is, you know, when, when, because people will say, well, do you have any questions for us? And most people say stupid questions or they say things that are not related or they're, as you say, a little bit on the you know, tongue tied. First question I always ask is, how long have you been at the company? How long have you been at the company? How long have you been on the air, Andrew? How long have you been doing podcasts? How long? Have you, how long? Now, that's something they can reflexively answer. And it takes the emphasis off of you back to them because now you're creating this kind of personal relationship. The other thing is to ask a little, a, a tidbit about the company. Even if you've read about the company, even if you know this, asking something that you already know, every good lawyer will tell you that it, it, in the courtroom, they don't want to ask any question that they don't have a really pretty good idea what the answer is going to be. So ask them a question about the company. Well, tell me about the, the company or the division or what, you, or what you've been doing or you know, what has been the genesis of this. So those are two questions that, will reduce your anxiety. But the third one is, is, is to talk about the importance of the position. Can you describe to me how important this position is? Because I'm interested in it, I'm excited about it, but I wanna know how I'm going to fit and help the organization. And always emphasize how you're going to help the organization. You're a giver, not just a taker. When I meet people who just say, all right, bottom line it for me, how much money am I going to make? What's going to happen? Uh, all I can tell you is I usually don't hire those people because they're internally focused so much that they don't care about the organization. More importantly, they don't care about the people in the organization because they're, they're so internally focused. And finally, they don't care about what the organization does to make a living. Yeah, I always, I, you always hear those horror stories of the question that uh, interviewees will ask is uh, like, how many uh, vacation weeks do I get? <laughs> That's the question, right? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Oh, and, and yeah, I, I had I had a, had a person who was who who I was, you know, we were on the cusp of hiring her, and uh, I spent some time, and uh, she basically said, "Well, you know, let, let me kind of give you my list of demands." Uh, well, yeah, she ended up not getting the job. One thing that has definitely become. In, uh, it, it's a new uh, word that's been in our lexicon is Zoom fatigue, you know, where you have meeting after meeting. And, you know, how do we overcome that? It's just I don't know. For me, I had a two hour meeting, I think, uh, two days ago. And just after about 60 minutes, I, I couldn't I felt bad. It wasn't the guy's fault, I don't think. But I just I, I don't know how we are supposed to handle staring at a screen that long and, and just listening to somebody. Part of it is and I have been in many meetings in my life that were marathon sessions. I'm talking about meetings where tens of millions of dollars were at stake. And I can tell you that, 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 that they become marathons. And part of it is that you need to think of it as a marathoner. You know, I mean, I, you know, if you, if you saw me, you'd understand I've never written, you know, I, I can drive a marathon. I've never run a marathon. But what I can tell you is you have to have that marathoners mentality and you have to pace yourself and, and all that. My, my suggestion is if you do a lot of meetings back to back to back to back to back, uh, give you a couple of, of things that I do. Number one is that when the meeting is over, I get up and walk around. I'll go outside, get some fresh air, you know, get the blood flowing. Number two is that I have go-to videos on YouTube. I watch comedy. I watch how people deliver their material. I laugh a little bit. I don't watch serious things. I don't watch, you know, 
all this other stuff, whatever is going to get you laughing and thinking and, and get you energized. So the next one is there. And the next thing is, is that, is that you want to make sure that when you start doing these long meetings, is that, is that you ask this very vital question. And, and everyone out there, if you ask this question, which is, what are, you know, and you, and you do it at the beginning, what are we trying to accomplish or accomplishments? What are the things we're trying to get done? And that's where, again, that preparation comes in. And then somewhere during the meeting say, it appears that we have answered or accomplished the following things. Now, human beings, by their nature, usually kind of push the tough stuff off to the end. My suggestion is it's the, it's the how you should eat a piece of pie thing. You know, eat the crust first and then eat the fun part. Well, get the tough stuff out of the way so you can truncate a meeting. Because the worst thing in the world is to talk about the really good stuff at the very end. Let's talk about it up front and see if we can cut that meeting short. And then finally, when you wrap up the meeting, you say, what have we accomplished? And did we, did we do what we thought we were going to do? Have we collectively gotten to where we were supposed to get to? Does everybody agree with that? Yes or no? Now, they don't have to agree with it. We don't want to put pressure that they are saying something that they don't believe. But what you want to do is you're trying to train yourself and those around you that when they wrap up, Everybody knows that they have accomplished something because, see, fatigue comes in when you get through the end and go, I don't even know what I was on this meeting for in the first place. (laughs) And I think everyone can relate to that feeling. Everyone. But hopefully not after this interview. I feel like we accomplished something here. I, I hope I hope we did. I and and, and I, I have a couple other quick things for everybody, which is sure. if 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 you're going to do lots of video, you, you are probably going to want to consider getting faster internet access. So you're going to want to go and, and use something like speedtest dot I think it's dot net and go test your speed. The other thing, depending upon what kind of platform you use, PC, Mac, if you're using a, a desktop or even a laptop, is make sure that you, that you have enough resources. Zoom is going to, it, though, though it will be nice, sucks a lot of resources. And it sucks resources because it, it believes it's free. Because the people who are developing these kinds of capabilities are sitting on an extremely fast network, developing it in-house. When we're at the end of a tether, and I've literally done Zoom meetings from a parking lot on my iPad, I can tell you it wasn't designed for me doing that on a cell network. So you have to be, by the way, the, the, the client demanded that we do video on top of it. So check your speed, check your system resources, and have as much resource as you possibly can, because I can tell you that that will make your technical experience better. Nothing worse than having a technical difficulty, right, Andrew? Yeah. And then having to overcome that at the last minute, the last second. Uh, yeah, we may have had some technical issues at the beginning of the interview. Thanks again, John Paul Mendocha. His book is called Remote Work for a Better World, a.k.a. Survive the Quarantine. You can find out more by going to myktis.com.